Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome back to the Talon Finn Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Yakas for all your fine quality kayak fishing accessories. Go to yakgadgets.com. Pelican cases, coolers, and lighting. Go to Pelican.com. The One Five Three Bait Company for all your hard and soft bait needs. Go to the One Five Three Angler.com. So join with me as together we dive into the tips and techniques. That will help make us better anglers out on the water. Welcome back to another episode of Bass Fishing for Noobs here on the Paddle and Fin Network. I'm your host, Sean Lavery, and happy to be back with you guys. I uh, hope you're uh, staying warm. I know uh, a majority of the country is definitely uh, feeling the brunt of the winter now. We've kind of fully, fully progressed in the wintertime. Uh, my, my poor kayak is hanging from the top of my garage at the moment. I had to... Uh, get it up out of the way so I could break out my snowblower last weekend. And uh, we have more snow forecast for this weekend. So uh, sadly, it's probably going to be uh, retired just for at least the next week or two until uh, um, I can get back out on the water. But uh, starting to see ice too on the water. So um, <clears throat> my paddleable water is uh, evaporating quickly, but we'll see where it goes. Um, we're going to continue on with um, our, our special guest tonight. I have um, uh, a, a guest. I was looking around for different techniques and um, just happened upon uh, last uh, last year's fantasy fishing uh, kayak fishing list. Um, and I started going down through the names, looking at, at the people who I haven't yet interviewed. And uh, one of the names that stuck out to me uh, is tonight's guest. And um, I was like, man, I've had a bunch of these guys on, but I've never had uh, Mike Elsie on. So I reached out to him and he was gracious enough to accept my invitation. So uh, without further ado, welcome Mr. Mike Elsie. Hey, how's it going, man? appreciate you having me on. No problem, man. Thanks again for coming on. Um, uh, I, again, I, you know, your name was towards the top of the list on the fantasy, uh, <laughs> leaderboard from last year. And I was like, Oh man, how have I never talked to him before? So, uh, <laughs> no worries. Uh, 
I just, you to... know, I'm a nobody anyway. It's all good. Yeah, I don't know about that. So, <laughs> but for the folks who haven't heard of you, um, why don't you go ahead and let them know who you are, um, where you're from? Yeah, man. Uh, well, like, like you, you, you got my name right too. Uh, and, and sometimes that's, uh, a challenge for people. I, I <laughs> most people just butcher my last name for some reason that I don't really understand why, because it doesn't seem like it should be that hard, but people do. But at any rate, name's Mike Elsie. Um, uh, currently, uh, live in Mooresville, Indiana. Um, I've been fishing pretty much all my life. Um, kayak fishing for the last, Oh, I guess it'd be three years now. This is going into my fourth year. Um, kind of started, you know, I, I came from the bass boat world. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people you've, you've talked to or have a similar story. Uh, but I started real pr pretty, you know, pretty young. I, I fished my first tournament when I was 16 and just kind of went from there. Uh, ended up doing like team trails and things of that nature. And then, uh, Kind of graduated up a little bit from there and started fishing some all um, uh, things like uh, well just some just some you know nat regular national trails and things like that and then from there went to like the Bassmaster Opens and the FLW tours and things like that and um, then just kind of got away from that a little bit um, kind of life got in the way so it's kind of hard to cover some of the expenses and so I I took a break and then. Um, discovered from a buddy of mine discovered fishing over a kayak and uh i kind of laughed at it at first because uh, i was that was completely foreign to me but i went out and got just a cheap kayak to begin with just to go you know puddle around with and uh had a lot of fun actually doing it and then from there basically just i i, I couldn't believe i started doing some digging and i, I couldn't believe how big and popular the you know, a kayak tournament fishing was and is always growing as well. And, and so I got involved, um, started with the KBF, um, just fishing the, uh, like the state challenges. And that's kind of like a, an entry level just to kind of get my feet wet and uh, <laughs> turned around and, and won the challenge series angler of the year, my first year and qualified for the national championship the following year. And uh, lo and behold, went out and won that sucker. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. It's been I mean, crazy since then. It's, it's, it's been a whirlwind. But, uh, absolutely. That's a heck of a progression, man. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah, you can say that. I and feel like I'm a slacker. <laughs> and now I'm trying my best to do this full time now, man. So it's uh, it's it's been a blur <laughs> for the last three or four years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to, to just you know, go from dabbling in it, you know, getting your feet wet to, you know, competing on the national stage, let alone winning on the national stage. I mean, that's, that's crazy in such a short period of time. It tells you a little bit about your skills as an angler, I think. So, well, I don't know about all that. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I've been doing it a while, but really, you know, it's, uh, you know, I, I still to this day give all the glory to God, of course. So amen to that, man. So, uh, what, what kind of, uh, drew you uh to kayak fishing as far as like when you left the the kind of the big boat world um just you know looking for a different way or you know you just happened to try it and kind of got hooked um a little bit of both really i mean and i, I don't and the bass boat world is 
extremely cutthroat. I mean, really bad. <laughs> and it, it, it gets to a point to where, you know, it's, it's, it's more about who's got more money and therefore you can, you know, afford more gadgets and, you know, spend more time on the water because, you know, all that kind of stuff. What, right. I mean, granted, some of that kind of spills over into the kayak world nowadays, too. However, it's still a fraction of the cost of what it is to, you know, be involved in the whole bass boat world. Um, I was going to ask you that. Do you see the kayak world trending in that direction? I know that's always, you know, that for me, that was the draw of the uh, kayak, you know, world is that everybody was so nice and there wasn't all the... Uh, I don't know even how to describe it. it. It was just a much more friendlier community. It uh, is the, it, the camaraderie. It, that's really the icing on the cake between the, it, it, that's the biggest difference between the bass boat world and the kayak community, the kayak community. Since I started fishing out of a kayak, I mean, it literally put the fun back into fishing for me. Um, yeah, you know, it, it, back in the day, it got to a point where, I mean, it was more like a job, I was kind of trying to make it my job, of course. I mean, I've always had, uh, you know, the goal to, to try to fish for a living uh, in some way or fashion. Um, but it got to a point where it just wasn't fun. And and kayak fishing definitely 100% put the fun back in it for me. And the camaraderie between, like you just said yourself, you know, everybody is so nice and so helpful. Yeah, you know, you're going to have those few individuals that are just like that, you know. Um, right. But by and large, overall, the kayak community, kayak fishing community is just, it's one big happy family. If you think, I mean, if you think about it, to me it is. And uh, I, I just absolutely love it. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've never met a stranger on a boat ramp. <laughs> No, I, I hear you. And uh, that's one of the things that totally drew me to it. And, and, you know, for the longest time, I, you know, I'm kind of an introvert, uh, you know, and uh, which is weird that I'm doing a podcast now, but you know, <laughs> stranger things have happened. But um, for the longest time, I was so nervous to, you know, go up to meet people. And, and, and so I stayed away from big events and, uh, you know, I didn't uh, go, for, go out for tournaments or anything like that. And, uh, when I finally did, I was like, oh, my gosh, that was so silly to, you know, you know, stay away because I I thought I would be shunned or, you know, looked down upon or whatever. Um, and it, it was not like that at all. Everybody was super gracious, took me under their wing. You know, let me show you this. Oh, you know. Yeah. Well, here, hey, you're doing this wrong. Let me show you how to do it. And, you know, <laughs> it's just it was just, you know, an amazing environment. And, uh, you know, I kind of kicked myself for you know, staying away for so long or, you know, being afraid of it because it, it was nothing like what I expected. So. Absolutely. I mean, you got people that are like literally throwing, you know, bags of baits in your boat for you. <laughs> Here, this right. is what I'm using. Take it. Try it. Right. You know, it's, you don't see that very often in other sports, in any sport for that matter. Right. Right. And when, you know, I, you know, come off the water and end up having a 45 minute conversation at the boat ramp trying to, you know, my wife's like, where were you? And I'm like, ah, oh, this guy stopped me and yeah. we talked for 45 minutes. And, you know, you know, that's, that's a cool thing. And, and, you know, I love that part that aspect of the sport and, you know, trying to do my part to help the sport grow, but also grow 
in a fashion so that we retain that and not grow into the cutthroat sport like the, the you're exactly right that's what it's about i mean everybody's uh, you know we're all competitive i mean that that's that's part of the fun though but yeah it's there's there's a fine line there between being competitive and then being unruly cutthroat if you know what i mean <laughs> right right and uh, sure. yeah we don't i i've never seen that yet at this point and you fished, you know, on the stage where you think if it was going to show up, it probably would have by now. So I, yes, absolutely. I've been from one end of the country to the other already in these, you know, past couple of years, you know, doing this and it's, it's all the same everywhere you go. And, and I, I feel like, you know, we luck, we're lucky to have, you know, ambassadors of the sport that really are, you know, the most genuine people out there, I think are like the Jody Queens and, you know, those kind of guys that literally will, you know, just take you under their wing and totally treat you like, you know, you've been their best friend for years. And, um, you know, that that's what makes this sport so special. So. Agreed completely. Cool, man. Well, um, this being bass fishing for noobs, I want to kind of pick your brain a little bit and, uh, see what we can, uh, teach all the other listeners uh, who, you know, they come to this show to kind of learn techniques and stuff like that. So um, I know we talked a little bit off, off the air about uh, your favorite techniques. And um, so when you show up to a body of water, I know you you probably have some idea what you want to throw and what are you basically looking at to decide what you're going to throw there? You know, there's a lot of factors to kind of, you know, I'll try to put the, puzzle together all the you know to take into consideration and and i certainly don't want to you know overwhelm anyone so i'm going to try to keep things as simple as i can here for you know for for folks that are just getting into the sport just learning things for fishing you know about fishing you know you, you take in consideration things like the time of year um you know if it's early spring the water's cold uh fish are in say a pre-spawn mode i mean the water isn't warmed up enough for them to even think about you know heading to the bank to spawn or anything like that you're probably not going to want to go out there and start throwing topwater baits <laughs> for example so i mean uh, you know that i know that's kind of an obvious uh statement there but i mean it's it's things like that though that you you, you got to take into consideration time of year weather what kind of body of water that you're on, you know, does it have vegetation or does it have, or, or doesn't it No, Is it mostly, a, is it a, is it a reservoir? Is it, a, is it a natural lake? Is it a river? Is there a current involved? Those kinds of things. And of course, you know, you, you, you typically do this type of research or homework before you even get there. <laughs> hopefully. Right. right. Somewhat, yeah, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so that that's really the starting point. Um, that kind of obviously leads into deciding on what type of tackle you're going to have with you, you know, once you get I've, there. I've heard of approaches of, you know, trying to pick one bait for each part of the water column, you know, depending on the time of year. Obviously, like you said, when it's real cold out, you know, the top water stuff and, you know, the very top of the water column might not be uh, the best, uh, or your, your starting point anyway. Um, but, uh, is that kind of generally how you break it down or? or Yeah, that's one way of, of looking at it for sure. Um, 
I happen to have a, a little bit of, of background in, in biology and, and, and things like that. So that is a play for me personally. Um, I have a degree in, in wildlife management. And so um, I do know a, a little bit about bass biology and, and, you know, things like that. So for me personally, that also kind of plays um, a part in the decision-making as far as how to break down things or how to approach a body of water, you know, per whatever time of year we're talking about. Um, but yes, you're, you're absolutely right. Having baits to cover the different columns or the different, you know, levels in the, in the water column, that's a great way to, um, to break things down or at least to be halfway prepared for any situation. And I know some of the baits that you were mentioning can be fished in multiple parts of the water column. So that's also another consideration I think would be having those versatile baits that you can slow roll on the bottom, but also, you know, on the same rod and everything without much change in your setup, work them through the middle of the water column just by your retrieve and, you know, uh, how deep you let the bait go before you start your retrieve. Absolutely. Like uh, case in point, a perfect example of that would be something like a spinner bait or a chatter bait, you know, uh, I mean, I think ev pretty much everybody throws chatter baits nowadays, <laughs> which is smart. I mean, it's a great bait. It, it, I mean, it catches fish all times of the year. Um, and yeah, you can, you can work that particular bait so many different ways. Um, you can crawl it along the bottom if they're on the bottom, you know, you could raise your rod tip up and, 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 and reel it a little faster and, and make it do all kinds of different, you know, different things. And, and a lot of times when I'm fishing a chatterbait, for example, especially if I'm throwing it in weeds, you know, hydrilla or whatever around grass beds and things like that. If you were to look at me from, a, a, you know, the distance, you swear I'd be throwing jerkbait. Hmm. I'm snapping my rod like crazy, you know, okay. stopping, starting, stopping, starting. And it looks like I'm throwing a jerkbait if you looked at my rod tip. Um, so I'm just making that thing dart side to side stop pause jump you rip it through the grass you know you name it the the more the more times that bait can change directions the more apt it's going to create a reaction strike interesting and I, that i think would have a huge uh uh the rod you're throwing that on would have a huge play into that too because like i the, the rod that i've had the most success on on a chatterbait is more of like a crankbait rod it's a, a medium rod uh yep. or with a moderate action and you know i would think if you're doing that much darting and, and jigging and stuff with it that it would that is that the kind of rod you would use for that or yeah you need yeah, something you want, with a little more backbone on it you want you want a softer rod and, and okay. in fact sometimes I mean, <laughs> believe it or not, I'll even throw it on a glass rod from time to time. Okay. I mean, I don't always throw it on a glass rod by any means, but yeah, a medium action uh, rod. Um, I'm, I like the seven, seven one to seven three, you know, uh, medium uh, action rod. That's that's pretty much uh, an all-purpose rod. But yeah, that's and you could throw. I use that rod to throw a buzz bait. I'll use that same rod to throw. Um, a square bill. Um, I'll use that same rod to throw a submitter bait or a fluke, you know, things like that. So, I mean, it's, it's just a, a very versatile all purpose rod. And I've heard a lot about like using those uh, kind of rods for treble hook baits, but when we're talking chatter bait and uh, spinner bait and um, you know, 
buzzbait, we're talking about single hook baits that, you know, mm -hmm. you know, still effective on those. And what worked for me, I, I found when I was mm -hmm. fishing the chatterbait, especially, um, was that it, it really helped keep them pinned, even if I didn't have a great hook set, because the rod would kind of, uh, you know, give and take a little bit. And yeah, not you, that, still, you still want okay. that rod to load up. On, on, and, and that's what that does. That's what that that medium action does. That little, um, you know, it allows that fish to get that bait in its mouth, and um, you know, a little softer tip like it, like a medium action rod has. It's not going to, you know, when you do lay into it, you're not going to rip its mouth. Interesting. And uh, are you a straight fluoro guy or braid to fluoro? It depends on the situation, but nine times out of the 10, I am straight fluoro okay. when it comes to that. Um, if I'm throwing something in super heavy, you know, like rigid type of grass, um, I might go straight braid. Um, but, uh, and that's, again, if, if I do that, then I, then I might even put that on a glass rod or something. So it's even, even more parabolic, but. Okay. Uh, most of the time, like I said, most of the time when I'm throwing something like a chatterbait or spinnerbait, um, it's straight fluoro. Okay. And um, uh, I just drew a blank on what I was going to ask. Uh, give me a second. I was listening, trying to listen to what you said with it and then lost my train of thought. But um, uh, I just, it's gone. Um, well, when you're... Uh, when you're looking for like where you're going to throw the, uh, your chatterbait and stuff. Um, Oh, I know what I was going to ask you. Do you start out with like a straight retrieve or are you right off the bat doing your pops and, uh, you know, trying to get it to jump as much as you can? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of a hard question to answer really. Cause I mean, <laughs> all situations are different really. I mean, I, I very seldom just do a straight retrieve. I, I, I mean, I, and now I'm not saying that, I immediately go into, you know, ripping it and jerking it and all that kind of thing. But I'll at least, you know, reel three or four cranks and then pause. And then maybe just, a, you know, a little bit of a snap the rod tip, but not, you know, not nothing crazy. But uh, again, a lot, a lot of times, most of the time, okay, all the time, <laughs> I let the fish tell me how they want it. Right. But I've heard that so many times, but uh, yeah. I, I'm still learning to listen to the fish. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that's yeah, that's that's really um, you know the key to add, in my opinion, working just about everything, whether you're flipping a jig or you know a Texas rig and a worm, um, throwing a frog, something you know, uh, the fish will tell you how they want that presentation. You know, if you're flipping a jig. You know, uh, do they want it hopped up, you know, off the bottom, you know, hopping it or do you drag it or do you just let it sit? You know, same way with the Texas rig, um, your cadence on, you know, a jerk bait or a frog also across the top of what your cadence, um, the fish will tell you how fast they want that bait or how much of a pause they want that bait. And I was going to say, when, when we sit, when we're saying that the fish will tell you that is, um, so when you get a bite, you have to kind of really go back and think, what was I doing exactly when I got that bite? Absolutely. Yes, sir. And then, you know, trying to repeat that. And if you know that you get more bites on that same thing, then, then you kind of know, yeah, okay. That's what the fish are telling me today. Yep. They want, you know, this many pauses or, 
you know, they're hitting it on this part of the fall or, you know, that kind of thing. So that's the definition of a pattern. <laughs> <laughs> and that, you know, because sometimes when I first heard people talking about uh, letting the fish tell you what they want, it, it was confusing to me. I'm like, well, what if I, you know, I'm not getting any bites. Well, then their fish are telling you they don't like what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Keep changing. Change right. it up. Keep doing something different. Completely, you know, think outside the box sometimes and just throw something completely crazy. You might surprise yourself. You never know. Right. It's hard that to do was, sometimes. I mean, it is really hard to do that, especially if you're like in competition, you know, you've, you've, you've got something going on. Uh, you think you have something figured out during practice time or whatever. And then whatever happens, you know, this always happens to me, the conditions change and then you're stuck trying to do the same thing and forcing it to happen and nothing's happening. You just, you can got to get outside of your own head sometimes and just, yeah, start over. <laughs> right. I mean, it's hard enough during regular times, but let alone throw competition into the mix where, you know, you're, you're really on the spot to perform and, you know, it can be, you know, that's where the mental game comes into it a hundred percent, I think. So. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's probably a different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's the mindset podcast with Chris Swicka, <laughs> one of the other segments on paddle and fins. <laughs> no, no, he, he does a good job and it, it's, I mean, it, it's, to the point where it is a total, uh, you know, you can do a show entirely on that, obviously, because he does Yeah, it. you can. You, you but, definitely uh, can. And, sure. it, and, you know, that's, I think, one of the areas where, you know, I struggled the most is I got so frustrated. And, but then when I'd go back and look at what I, looking back now at how I fished when I was, you know, relatively new and, you know, I would just force something and force it and force it and, you know, come back completely dejected because I didn't get any bites, but I also didn't really change it up that much. I had what I knew how to do and, you know, didn't really branch out a ton. And I would just, you know, come back and say, Oh, well, the fish weren't biting today or, you know, there's no fish in that spot that I was fishing. But, you know, later I learned it really was, uh, you know, I just wasn't taking the time or switching up enough to figure out what they wanted to, you know. Hey, I still struggle with that. It's not just, you know, everybody struggles for that. that. That's, that's part of the game, I guess. <laughs> so, um, so I, we talked to, so I think like chatter baits, spinner baits, that's more of a, a moving bait, but like I said, you know, like you said, you can cover, you know, different parts of the water column with those, both of those, whether yep. you're kind of slow rolling it on the bottom or, you know, you know, speeding it up a little bit, lifting your right. rod tip and pulling through the middle of the column. What do you do when you're, you're looking for a, like a slower presentation? Um, what, what's your kind of go-to there? Yeah, I, you know, I'm a, um, like a Texas rig creature bait or a worm um, and or just a jig, a, you know, just your good old fashioned jig. I mean, I, that's the type of fishing that I like to do the most. Um, uh, obviously, yeah, not to get back on the whole um, moving bait thing, but yeah, when, when you know, you're searching, you're trying to find you're trying to find the fish, trying to find the areas where they, you know, where they're at. Once you get to that point, then you kind of kind of slow down and really pick that area apart. And that's where, you know, throwing a Texas rig worm or a, a creature made of some sort of like a beaver or anything of, of that nature. Um, or like I said, you know, you're, you're, you're jigging pig. That's where that comes into play. I was just actually listening to, I think uh, that uh, Uncle Josh, he just had like, or Uncle Josh just had like their 100th year anniversary. And 
I was listening to somebody else talk about the jig and pig a ton. And I was like, man, I've never tried that. I got to give that a try. So the good old fashioned pork rind, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I have a few up on my, uh, my tackle bench, but I just haven't bro broken them out yet. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, of course, you know, you put any sort of trailer on the back of a trick, uh, you know, on the back of a jig, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of where it all started. That's, that's the whole term, man, with the jig and pig. That's, that's the old it's pork pretty rind. old school, yeah. Uncle Josh pork rind, buddy. It is old school. <laughs> <laughs> I I used to have some old jars of that stuff that the jars of lids themselves were so rusted that I couldn't even get it open. <laughs> They're probably worth money now, to tell you the truth. They probably was, are, yeah. <laughs> so that's crazy. I was thinking, um, you know, when you talk about coming from the bass boat world to the kayak world, obviously in a kayak, it's a lot easier uh, and almost you're almost forced to do it at times, depending how mobile you are, but to really pick apart an area. But, uh, you know, in a bass boat world, do they still do that kind of thing where you're just kind of, I guess you, maybe you power pole down or whatever the bass boat equivalent of a power pole or talent. Yeah. I mean, they, they do, but it, I tell you, it's, I think I'm convinced that it is harder to do that in a boat. Uh, yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Because you have that big old hunk of outboard on the back of that sucker, and if it's not working for you, you just crank it up and you run to where it is working for you. you know? <laughs> we don't have that option. <laughs> when we're in an area and things aren't going well, you, you know, you just got to put your head down and you got to figure it out. And uh, I, I believe that fishing out of the kayak actually makes you a better angler. I, I, really I, I was going to just say that, you know, it, you know, as much as it, uh, is harder. I think it only makes you better. And, uh, you know, something that maybe the, the best boat guys, I think would be a hard transition when you're making that leap from, you know, the best boat world to the kayak world. So, mm -hmm. yeah, someday maybe just, just at us for the sake of curiosity, you know, um, might go back and fish an, a tournament or something out of a bass boat after fishing out of a kayak for so long. And just to see, you know what happens how, right. how my mind how my mind works you know what i mean yeah um, no for sure i think that would be cool or you know heck even you know if it was allowed break out your kayak in a bass boat tournament you know see how many people you can outpace you know in your little oh, plastic yeah. boat you know put yeah. all those glitter boats to shame <laughs> <laughs> i can get where they can <laughs> that's right that's right um i was that was another question i had you, you know um i know some people target more shallow stuff some people are, are like the offshore stuff you know then you have the kind of all-around guys that you know really don't matter or don't care they'll do whatever they need to but uh you know i was curious what your i, I would fall in that last category okay. um i i've tried to be as versatile as i possibly can um i mean obviously if i have my preference yes i'd like to stick shallow um but <sighs> you just I gotta, I gotta go where the fish are, you know. <laughs> right. Uh, and if it's, if it's an offshore thing, and I'm not, I'm certainly not the best offshore guy. I mean, like my, my strength is definitely up, up shallow, but, I, you know, I can fish offshore. Um, it's just, you know, it takes, especially out of a kayak, it, it takes way more time and more effort to find the fish offshore. Granted, it's getting a little easier now with, with the latest and greatest electronics that are out there. Um, but I, for one, have not had the opportunity yet to upgrade to what I would like to upgrade to. So in that 
realm of things. I suppose I'm a little handicapped, but that's, you know, I can still, I can still, you know, I can find them, but just, I'm not, I'm not great at finding schools of fish. I, that was going to be one of my questions too, because I just happened to, um, I'm upgrading my uh, fish finder, just not, not jumping up to the panoptics world or anything uh, crazy like that yet, but I'm jumping from a five inch screen to a 10 inch screen. I feel like that's going to help me see a, a lot more stuff. And um, I was just curious, you know, I, that was going to be one of my questions was how much you use electronics, um, you know, cause I know I've seen the guys where they're pretty much looking down the whole time, constantly scanning, but then I've heard other guys that say, no, you know, you miss a ton of fish that way because you're so worried about your electronics uh, versus actually fishing what's in front of you and figuring out that puzzle, you know? Yeah. And, and that's, that's a, a great scenario right there that you just, you know, um, that you just uh, laid out there. Um, I am not a video game guy. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not I'm constantly looking at my screen the entire time. I am looking at my surroundings, you know, I'm watching, you know, for example, birds, you know, I'm looking for birds or, you know, things like that. Um, if you're up shallow, like I am most of the time anyway, it doesn't really pay off to uh, watch that screen the whole time. I mean, I'll look at it obviously for water temperature and depth and, you know, if I'm in grass or over trees or something like that, but um it, you know, am I actually trying to see fish on my screen? No. Okay. You know, I'm not there yet. Um, you know, if, if I'm having, if, if I gotta be out, you know, out offshore somewhere, yeah, I'll be looking at it a little more, but you know, I'm still, I'm looking at, I'm looking for structure. I'm looking for cover, um, right. bottom, bottom contour and changes, things like that. You know, if I happen to, stumble across the fish while doing so great but i'm not actively looking for schools of fish at that point okay okay i was curious i'm always curious about that because i've heard about that i've heard different schools of thought you know i've talked to quite a few different people and i've heard the schools of thought where people pretty much are they'll if they have you know a, a torpedo or something they'll be just kind of cruising around looking for balls of bait and then mm -hmm. when they find them, they'll stop and fish it, you know. But then mm -hmm. I've also heard the very exact opposite where they're more just driving around looking for rock piles. They'll mark a bunch of rock piles and then make a beeline back through that and hit each rock pile and see what's there. So, yeah. And, and I would I would I would be more like that guy <laughs> personally. And that, I mean, that now, you know, don't get me wrong on when you look at that rock pile, a lot of times you will be able to see, you know, fish if there's fish on it, some, at least somewhat, you know, but yeah, just because yeah. you don't see fish on there, sometimes they're either hugging super tight to it or, you know, you know, fish finders aren't perfect. So it doesn't mean, you know, just if, because you don't see them on the graph necessarily that they're not always there. You know? It's all about boat position. And dude, that is so hard in a kayak. <laughs> that, <laughs> I don't that, care. I'm still definitely learning that as well. I, I mean, mean, even if I do find it on my graph, it doesn't mean I can, hit it with my face. So. <laughs> yeah, it is, uh, it, you know, boat position is, I, it's everything. I mean, you know, if you really break it down, if you're throwing out, or if you, if you see a rock pile on your graph or something, it's, you know, those, those fish could be stacked in there on one side or in a, some particular formation, uh, you know, I, 
the right words are probably escaping me right now, but you kind of get the idea of what I'm trying to say. I think it's the angle of that cast that triggers a strike or not. You know, hundred percent. Yeah, no, I, you know, I, I, I've mentioned a lot on the podcast. I live right next to the Susquehanna, so I fish that a lot. And uh, there's definitely times where fish will only be on the downriver side of the rocks, you know, or vice versa. It really, you know, and it can change on the the day. It can change by the hour. But if you find them in one spot, you know, nine times out of ten, you go to the next you know, cluster of rock piles or the next ledge and they're going to be in that same spot on that ledge too. So yeah. Positioning. Yep. And then, like you said, yeah, exactly. It's, it's getting your boat lined up to be able to make a cast and run your bait and present your bait in that spot where they are versus, you know, you know, and that was the other thing, you know, that took me so long to learn was that I, I thought I was fishing, you know, the fishiest looking spots, but I just wasn't bringing my bait through those spots uh, the right way or presenting my lure in a way that was natural or, you know, that, you know, the way bait would normally be coming through those spots to those fish. So. Right. And, you know, and that's, that's a good point too, that you're bringing up. Cause that's just, that's part of learning, you know, for, for those that are listening that are again, you know, new, you know, new at this. Um, if you're throwing at a, a tree or a lay down or something like that, and you can make two or three casts and don't get a bite, you know, don't give up on it. Just change your position a little bit. Change, change your angle, uh, change your baits also, of course, but really, really make that lay down or that tree, make it honest. Cause I mean, if it's fishy looking, there's, there's a reason why it's fishy looking, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And it, 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 of course, you know, uh, that's just not saying that, you know, you're going to be guaranteed to get a bite if you, you know, hit that thing 40 times, but you know, if you make two casts and then move on, you're really missing out because it might have been that fifth cast that triggers that fish to finally come up and eat. So right. just keep that in mind for next time you're out and fishing laydowns or whatever you're fishing, you know, make make it honest. I, that's a, I think that's a great tip. And uh, uh, conversely with it as well, another thing that I struggled with too, and it's because you're a new angler, if you do catch a fish, you're so excited. Oh my gosh, I caught a fish. And you know, nine times out of 10, if you'd cast back in that same spot and kind of repeat that a lot of times there'll be more than one fish in that spot. So, you know, definitely, you know, if you yeah. find, find success, you know, go back to that same spot and try it again and just see what else is there. Right. Or come back. You might and, even find an even bigger fish that, you know, yeah. Or, and come back, come back to it again in an hour or two. You know, if it's a very specific target, you know, something like that. And yeah, there might only be one fish at that time. Um, but later on, another one could very well pull up. It happens right. all the time. And, and another part that goes along with that, too, is, you know, working on your casting, you know, so that you can get, you know, because at first when I, I, I was afraid of snagging a lot or, you know, and, and so I would cast and drop it, you know, three feet away from the tree and be like, ah, that's close enough, you know? And it, it wasn't until I, you know, started getting more comfortable. I don't know if it was comfortable is the right word, but more, uh, you know, just ready to lose whatever I'm going to throw in there. <laughs> and uh, you get braver and, you, you know, you f start getting much more success when you drop it right on, like let it roll down the log right in front of it, you know, and you realize that's where they're sitting, you know, and the, the three foot away cast isn't going to do it. That is... Um... <laughs> That's how I won the national championship. <laughs> I mean, so 
you know, everybody knows now, of course, that, you know, I was fishing around cypress trees. And uh, a lot of times, you know, I would actually watch people. Well, I'll take that back. The, during the time that I was actually one, I was pretty much all by myself most of the time. However, okay, so here's an example. So we went back to uh, the same place this past year for the national championship. Different time of year, same same place, though. So day one starts off, and I'm wanting to fish a couple particular trees. Again, they were kind of isolated. And so I was on one, and I don't know, call it 40, 50, 60 yards away was another big tree that I had planned to fish. But another gentleman started on that tree. <laughs> I'm like, okay, great. So I'm fishing my tree, and of course I'm watching him see what happens over there. I don't get any bites. He fishes all the way around this single tree. He doesn't get any bites. So he leaves and moves on. I just work my way over there nonchalantly, you know, just because that's just part of my route. And uh, I get over there. And I get hung up on that tree, and next thing I know, fish starts or my line starts going sideways. And my first fish of the day was a twenty-two and three quarters. Oh, that that guy missed because he <laughs> did not get hung up on that tree. So yeah, that goes. That's just a, a, a an example of exactly what you were talking about there. Uh, you know, don't be afraid to get hung up. <laughs> that's a perfect example. Yeah, you know, because that's what those fish are. You know, they get tight to some of that stuff, you know, whether and it don't have to be a treat for that matter. It can be anything that we're talking about. It could be a seawall. If right. you're two foot off of a seawall, you know, you're thinking, well, shoot, that fish has got, he's got fins. He can, he's got a tail. He can swim out there and grab it. But that's just not how it works. A lot of times they, they're, they're sitting in that shade or up against that structure or that piece of cover for a reason. And that's the ambush prey that comes right in, on top of them unknowingly. And so, you know, that's that's how you want to present that bait. It like, you know, some prey that comes right in there unknowingly and all of a sudden, whop. <laughs> right. No, and that, that's where that biology thing comes into, uh, you know, consideration. Because the bass, the reason why they're there is because they know that the bait can only move in certain directions. Like, it can't run into the wall, obviously. If it hits the wall... They got it. So that's why yep. they're there. So if you're three foot away and, you know, they're just looking at that bait like, oh, he's out there. He can get away. I'm going to wait for the one that comes right along the wall and he has nowhere to go. And that's the one I'm going to hammer. Exactly. You, you, you hit it right. You hit it right. Exactly right. Bullseye. <laughs> Bass are lazy most of the time. You know? Yeah, they have their spurts. So they, you know, you see them out there school and they're chasing, you know, everything like crazy. But most of the time. They're lazy. Those big fat girls, they're lazy. They're big right. and fat for a reason. <laughs> exactly. I was going to say, they didn't get that big for by uh, running around. So Now, you that's like you said, it's not to say you can't, you know, get a school fired up or something. And then, you know, they're just going to hit whatever you throw in there, basically. But yeah. um, but when you're you're working it and, you know, really picking apart an area, you're going to. And, that, you know, uh, another point that your story about the national championship brings about is. Uh, don't get totally psyched out if you're fishing behind someone because, you know, just because they're there doesn't mean they're doing what they need to be doing, you know, to to uh, figure that out. I, I had an example of that earlier this summer. I was fishing with a, a 
a, a gentleman I hadn't fished with before and he was throwing a whopper plopper on the on the river and I was throwing just a, a Rico popper and he was I was fishing behind him and I was catching, you know, two fish to every one fish he caught, if any. And he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I think it's just the slow like you're just burning through that area. And I'm just, you know, slowly popping through there. And um, they're just, you know, they don't want it fast and a different presentation, a different sound, you know, all those things make a difference. Yeah. And it, yep. it's under the whole umbrella of presentation. That's 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 the key word there. It's all about presentation. Right. And it, it, those are the lessons that it's, it's hard to learn at first because, you know, you want to, you know how you think, you know, how the bait should be worked, but just because that's the way you know how to do it doesn't mean that's the way the best want it that day or, you know, you know, and when, you know, (laughs) fortune smiles on you and you figure out the right one then you know, then it turns into a a good day or, you know, and those kind of days really hook you and, you know, keep you coming back for sure. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. <laughs> cool, man. Um, any other baits that you would consider, you know, oh yeah, you know, that's something that I always have tied on or, um, you know, that kind of thing. Oh boy. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so when I, the, the, the whole idea when I was in the bass boat world, you know, so you got this big, big old deck, right. <laughs> and, and the, the way to tell if if a guy in a bass boat is on fish or not is you just look at his look at his front deck. If his deck is full of rods scattered all over the place, he's not on anything, <laughs> right? <laughs> but if he's only got one or two rods on that deck, you know he's zeroed in. He's got the deal, right? He knows what's going on. Yeah, exactly. So to translate that into into kayak fishing, me personally. Uh, for example, so all my rods are sticking up in the rod tubes, right? So mm-hmm. I'll carry sometimes, you know, 10 up to 12 rods with me. So I look, I'm out there, I look like a dang porcupine. <laughs> if I'm out there and I look like a porcupine, you know that you're safe. <laughs> <laughs> but, but if I've only got one or two rods with me, well, <laughs> you might be in trouble. That's funny. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, now practice time of course yeah i'm gonna look like a porcupine all the time because you just you gotta try to get things you know narrowed down but yeah i'll have um obviously i always have a texas rig something tied on uh i may have a couple of them with different weights different sizes of weights i may have something with just you know an eighth ounce weight or something and maybe something else else with uh you know a quarter or a half or something like that um, yeah, I'm always going to have some sort of moving bait or two tied on as well, whether it's a chatterbait or a spinnerbait, um, you know, something that searches, you know, a square bill crankbait. And I, <laughs> I don't even know why I just said that because I hate throwing crankbaits, but I oh, will, yeah? I do. I, I, I don't know why I just don't like throwing crankbaits, okay. but I'll have a square bill tied on just because I know it's a good search bait, you know? <laughs> whatever (laughs) right you know i will um yeah and then then from there the rest of the the rest of the rods that i'll have at any given time will kind of depend on just what's going on uh the conditions and time of year you know all that stuff that we kind of talked about in the beginning 
Right. So, right. you know, I, I may end up having three or four different jigs tied on. Uh, I may have, yeah, I may have two or three different, you know, frogs tied on, or I may, you know, have uh, a, a couple different buzz baits with me or something, you know? So it just kind of depends on, you know, what, what's happening. Right. I'm sure it depends on the water you're fishing. Cause like my, the, the baits I tend to gravitate to on the river are completely different than the ones I gravitate to on the lake. Cause yeah, yeah. I'll have, you just, know, different colors, different, you know, in, in the case of a spinner bait, for example, I'll have different colors or different, different blade configurations. You know, uh, I'll have, you know, a, a, a double willow leaf spinner bait tied on, and then I'll have, uh, complete opposite, like a single Colorado blade or even a tandem Colorado blade or something like that. Uh, and I, I, I would think water quality plays a lot into that or water clarity rather plays a yes. lot into that too. Like how yes. much noise you're trying to make versus how much flash you want. Absolutely. Yeah. So just like I said, you know, I, I always have, let me, let me count here again. I always have a Texas rig and a jig and then some type of moving bait. So there's, you know, say call that three or four rods, right? And so the rest of those <laughs> porcupine quills, if you will, <laughs> will be just, you know, dependent on the situation, the conditions, what's going on, where I'm at, that kind of stuff. Gotcha. And I know uh, one of the reasons I've also heard a lot about uh, where you're keeping that uh, Texas rig bait on is for kind of to follow up a cast if you have a strike but mit, the, the bass misses it. Mm -hmm. uh, you can throw, you know, your, your Texas rig plastic in there. And so it might think, Hey, I nailed that thing. I, I think I wounded it. I'm going to go back and see if I can find it. And that's when your slower yeah. presentation will get nailed too. Right. Right. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. If it's a, you know, if it's a reaction type thing, sometimes the, the fish will just flat out miss it, miss your bait. They'll short strike it or they'll just slap at it. Like they're trying to kill it. And so, yeah. Um, follow that sucker right back in there with a, a Senko or, you know, something like that. And most of the time you'll catch that fish. Cool. Yeah, no, that's... Great. Another good example of that too, is if you're throwing a frog or something over the, over the top of the slop, right. We're, we're in the middle of summertime or late fall, early fall, I should say. And uh, a bass comes up and blows up at your frog and you miss it. I mean, yeah, every now and then you could throw right back in there with that frog and he'll get it the second time. But most of the time, they don't even come back. They don't even mess with it. But if you if you follow that up with, you know, uh, your 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 flipping rod, you know, right? You mm -hmm. flip back in there with a Cinco or any whatever soft plastic, you know, insert soft plastic here uh, <laughs> on you know whatever kind of weight you're talking about. That depends on how thick the vegetation that is that you're throwing, and yeah. That's where that's where you're going to actually catch that fish. Awesome. Yeah. No, I think that's that's a great example too of you know the why you carry those other baits. You know, obviously, if you can you know stay dialed in and just keep crushing them on one bait, by all means, <laughs> keep doing it. But uh, so in a many times, world, that's how it is. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, and that that's when you're really dangerous, right? When you only need that one rod and you're yeah. you're that. getting your limit and you know culling like crazy, you know that kind of thing, but. <laughs> And that never happens to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, you know, when you, you know, obviously you, you, you figured out the national championship. So, you know, that had to be a pretty good day, right? 
or a pretty good weekend. Man, uh, yeah, nothing can ever take the place of that. That week, that whole week was just phenomenal. And uh, you know, this this past trip down there too, this last fall, ugh, it was so close. It, it almost happened again. I mean, it was it was amazing. But is that just, like your favorite place to go now? Or I, know? it's way up there. Let me tell you, <laughs> <laughs> there's a special place in my heart for that place. For, I'm sure. For sure. Yeah, I can't wait to go back there again next spring, <laughs> yeah, or this spring actually, March, April, first. Yeah, April, it's coming. Right? It's coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. But first is Florida, man. I'm so stoked about this. Leave, I'm leaving Wednesday to head down to uh, Kissimmee. I was just gonna say Kissimmee's the first mm-hmm. stop, right? So. Yep, yep. And then uh, I'm in the ten this year as well. So I got the two trail series events and pro series event. And um, the Invitational, that's all kind of all wrapped up there in those first two days. And then uh, we'll get a day off. And then um, the 10 starts after that. I'm excited. Can't wait to get down there. Tanya, I'm going to be living vicariously through you guys while I'm sitting here in PA shivering my butt off. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. It's, you know, here in Indiana, I don't, where you don't have the snow there or anything like that that you do yet. But I guess we're supposed to get some stuff here this this weekend. But. I just hope it holds off for another few days. <laughs> At least get, yeah. let me get out of here. Get out of town. Yep. Yep. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, we'll finish up with, uh, you know, my, one of my favorite questions, uh, best piece of advice fishing or otherwise that you've gotten, you know, and uh, you know, what do you think? Man, the best piece of advice I could give anybody, whether it's fishing related or not. Right. I, either way is, um, well, either way, it's still, it's still, plays out for for both situations is uh man just uh give everything to god that's that's it that's that's pretty good no that, no i that's it he's in control regardless so let him have it amen man that's that's some pretty powerful advice so all right um I appreciate you coming on again. Um, I wanted to give you a chance to shout out any sponsors that you have and anybody else that you want to shout out, you know, you know, I'm sure, you know, there's definitely some companies that help you do what you do. Oh man. I I could not do what I do without the team of supporters that I've got, you know, native watercraft, um, you know, yak attack, Fitzgerald fishing, uh, fishing online, Shredfin Apparel just picked them up this year. Um, super excited about them. In fact, I'm wearing one of their shirts right now, actually, if you can see that. But uh, yeah, they have great apparel, uh, really cool logo too, and, and uh, definitely want to go check them out. Biz Baits, um, they supply me with uh, all kinds of stuff. They and they they make everything too, from jigs to spinner baits to soft plastics. They they've partnered up with uh, True South, their company out of North Carolina. And, they've just they've got a really good lineup of of all kinds of stuff um so uh definitely want to give a shout out to them um you know titan tungsten um dakota lithium they they power everything i've got um from my cameras to uh you know my graph lawrence electronics uh, my power pole definitely got to give a shout out to power pole as well um you know ever just uh, Bowman Family Holdings, they're a company here locally that uh, have supported me for a really long time, and and uh, I definitely couldn't couldn't do half the stuff without them as well. So it's just a it's just a really humbling uh, and, and just fantastic 
experience to have, um, you know, the support that I do. And, and, and like I said, I, I, I definitely couldn't do this without them. So thank each and every one of you for, uh, for being on this train and being on this ride and, and, uh, love y'all. And again, just, just can't thank you all enough. Truly living the dream, right? Well, we're working at it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and you mentioned uh, right off the top that you were, uh, you know, working on some social media posts. Where can fo- folks uh, find you online? Oh, yeah. Uh, Mike Kelsey Fishing. Um, and then also, it's, I also have a, a page just under my name as well. But I'm trying to do most of the stuff through the Mike Kelsey Fishing page. Uh, and then just my name, Mike Elsie, on uh, Instagram. That's all I got at this point in time. I'm, I'm hoping to uh, to get a YouTube channel going at some point. I've been saying that now for the last couple of years, but it's just <laughs> hard to find the time to do, to edit all in the, the content. I've got all kinds of footage and stuff, but it's, it's yeah, that's a work in progress. So I was going to say that the knowledge is there. It's just getting it on film and, and edited. And yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> and I'm not a tech savvy kind of guy. So yeah, that's a work in progress. So hopefully that's a coming soon kind of thing. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. All right, man. Well, thanks again so much for coming on and, uh, you know, you. you know, helping me, you know, learn how, how it is the, you know, the, how the, the pros do it, you know, I know what I do and what makes me successful, but, you know, to hear it from you guys and to, to kind of, uh, what's the word re, uh, reassure myself that I'm, I'm doing it the right way. Uh, definitely helps, makes me feel better. And, you know, I'm sure the listeners, the guys just getting started, it's going to help, you know, cut their learning curve down. So uh, just, it's, you know, it's time on the water also. I mean, that, that you just got to get out there, have fun. You know, I, you say there's one piece of advice. I, I can't just do one piece of advice. <laughs> yes. Number one, obviously give everything to God, but number two, have fun. And number three, have fun, get out by getting out there on the water. Right. Remember why yeah. you started doing this in the first place, right? Absolutely. That's right. If it's not fun. I'm done. That's just the way it is. (laughs) Right, right. Absolutely. All right, man. Well, thanks, Sean. uh, I appreciate you, man. Thank you for having me. No problem. Thanks, Mike. Uh, And uh, everybody, follow along, Mike. Uh, You know, good luck this year. I hope, uh, you know, you continue on and, uh, you know, good luck. So appreciate you. Thank you. Yep. All right, guys. This has been the Bass Fishing for Noobs segment on the Paddle and Fin podcast, where we bring you the techniques, the tricks, and the tips to help you rip more lips. Thanks, guys. And I'll catch you next time. I always forget to do my closer. <laughs> that, I like that, man. That's that's cool. Oh, <laughs> uh, let me. Okay, I'm gonna run my closer now. Thanks, guys. <laughs> I'll be back on. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle in Fin. Don't forget to go check out our website at paddle the letter n in fin.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle in Fin. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at paddle the letter n in fin at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle in Fin on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler, the Angler Button and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water shout out to rocktown adventures located in northern illinois for all your kayaking camping and hiking needs shout out to jig masters jigs when in doubt get the jig out go to jigmasters.com